I would sleep in my singlet. I, I would have, have the gripper during class, you know, like I, I, I just lived it. It, I, it consumed me and it, I think it was kind of like an escape. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. Host Ryan Warner here, bringing you today's episode. It's Friday in Chicago, which means it's Lumal Nadi's for dinner. It's a beautiful day. I've been on the road all week doing interviews for our upcoming audio documentary, which we'll be releasing soon. But in the meantime, let's get to this episode with Aaron Steed, CEO of Meathead Movers, based out in the San Luis Obispo area in California, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I say that gingerly because I'm in Chicago right now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in the low. But San Luis Obispo is gorgeous. Um, Aaron, as I mentioned, created a company from scratch, and his kind of niche is that he only hires college student athletes. He was obviously a wrestler, and then now he's a key member in creating the Central Coast RTC, which is a beautiful facility and will be connected to the um, University of Cal Poly wrestling team. So if you want to help those guys out, go to centralcoastrtc.org. Fan of the week is a Chicago man, Nick Parizan. Parisian? Parisian. Hinsdale South High School graduate of 2018, a so-called wrestling nerd, which is my kind of people. Nick, thank you for the support, man. We appreciate it. As always, this podcast is presented by Spartan Combat. Joe DeSena, the CEO of Spartan Races, the obstacle course race company, is obsessed with wrestling, and he's pouring a lot of money into the Cornell RTC, into creating a wrestling clothing company, Spartan Combat, and he's also hosting a national tournament in Jacksonville, Florida at the end of May. I've heard a lot of people are going. If you want to register, go to SpartanCombat.com. That's it, folks. Let's get to the interview with CEO Aaron Steed. Aaron Steed, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you. I love having some folks on from the business world as as well, kind of weaving in you know the different stories. So we'll talk some business on this one, but... Cool. Let's just get started with your journey into the sport. Where did it all start for you? So wrestling's in my family, luckily. Um, and basically I was, you know, kind of like a little skater rat for a little while. And then uh, there wasn't any wrestling until I got into high school. And then I didn't start until the summer going into my sophomore year. And I just 
uh, immediately knew just how hard it was because I was getting whipped on by everybody. And I had a lot of energy and was, you know, pretty aggressive, tenacious kid. And I just immediately fell in love with it and uh, just couldn't get enough. And you, you grew up in California, right? Yes. Yeah. On the central coast at a city called San Luis Obispo. The most beautiful city in the world. <laughs> it's amazing. Come on out. Yeah, it's oh, great. I used to live in San Francisco. And one time okay. I went down to, uh, that's a big wine country, right? That's right. Yeah. I drove down, spent a week in there. It was awesome. And so yeah. what, what was the wrestling culture like growing up there? You know, uh, so we have Cal Poly here, which is a division one program, but uh, it was a little fragmented, uh, but the most of the high schools have wrestling programs. So it's not like a wrestling culture like it is in San Diego or the Central Valley where it's, you know, or the Midwest or parts of the East Coast. But it, it, it's it, it's 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 pretty strong, but not not dominant here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's at that time where you created your company with your brother, which is yeah. pretty incredible. How what was the genesis of that? Basically, uh, parents didn't give us any money, so we had to figure out a way to do, kind of do it on our own, <laughs> you know. And uh, I, I was highly motivated, you know. When I was in high school, I wanted my goal in life was to wrestle for Iowa, and I needed to figure out something that worked around my school and athletic schedule. So I went to all my uh, teammates' parents and said, "Look, um, if there's anything around the house that you don't want to do, you know, let me know." We were 15 and 17 at the time. And just pay us whatever you think we're worth. But here's the here's the caveat: we don't have a we don't have a truck or a car, so you need to pick us up at our parents' house, drive us to your home, and we'll do whatever you need us to do, and then just pay us whatever you think we're worth. And and that's what kind of kickstarted all. People wanted us to help them move, and and it worked out great. And so you guys were doing because now you run a company for folks who don't know, we're a professional moving company, and your angle or your differentiation is that you're working with college student athletes is that right yes yep how did that how did it how did it kind of go from that to where you're at now yeah so um you know being a student athlete a struggling student athlete trying to make ends meet trying to uh travel and and do things i needed to figure out a way that where i could set my own schedule where i can make the money and if i could get paid to work out and be around my friends then hey that's just a win-win Moving does all of that. And what I also really liked about it is I got a lot of gratitude from my customers because by just surely like showing up and being pleasant and being interested in them and trying to do a good job, they told us from the get-go, this is the best moving experience I've ever had. You know, a lot of typical moving companies kind of hire shady characters, bait and switch pricing tactics. Mm -hmm. And we don't do any of that. We try to do things right. So um, it so it was cool because you know my brother and I were able to support ourselves and we're able to, to support all of our you know wrestling friends and a lot of football guys too and and then it was a kind of like a match for student athletes and for what our our customers wanted and um, you know after doing it for about six months a year I was like you know if there are student athletes and 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 uh, everywhere and there's this need, in other areas, why can't we uh, expand and do this in other communities? And here we are 24 years later and, you know, still doing it. So it's been a good run. That's incredible. What was the big turning point early on where it went from something you did kind of on the side to when it was all in? Yeah. 
you know, I don't share this too much, but the, the, the real story is, you know, the state of California shut off our phone lines. So what happened was we were just a student labor service doing jobs on the side. The client would rent the truck. We'd show up, uh, customers pay us whatever they thought we were worth. And we didn't have any like licenses or insurance or, or anything of that nature, just a student labor service. But we started becoming so popular. And so many of my friends started working for me, you know, within three, four years, I had like 60 of my friends working for me and our competition started taking notice, you know, the big established moving companies in the area that have been around forever. And they teamed up and uh, was able to petition the state of California uh, to shut down my business and, and shut off our phone lines. And that was kind of like the big wake up call. So here we are, you know, right before summer, which is our busy season, our phone lines are turned off, the phone number and the phone book. And back then it was the phone book. There wasn't the internet. This was like 1999, 2000. Um, so my brother and I like sat down, had a conversation, took like five minutes and we said, Hey, what do we want to do? Should we just kind of go about our way and say, Hey, this was great while it lasted or, or or not. And to be honest, like I viewed it as a declaration of war. I was pissed because the here, here's my competition, basically waging war on us, taking away our livelihood. And it was not just me, but like 60 of my friends and my brother. And on top of that, we were the ones who were doing a good job. We were growing because we were taking care of our customers and doing right by them. And I just, it was reinforced by our customers, how how much they've been taken advantage of in the past by typical moving companies. Uh, so by that time, I kind of, it, it sounds cheesy, but I kind of felt like a knight in shining armor. I'm like on a crusade, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to do whatever we can to get our license, get, become insured, get legit. And um, then we're going to try to beat out our competition and beat them at their own game. Um, and then there's a story as to like how we did that, but it was uh, kind of like a do or die situation. It's definitely like a fork in the road. And, and, um, and we chose the business, you know, and that's also uh, when like I decided to drop out of college. So I kind of sacrificed my college wrestling career, but um, it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. We had a lot of momentum and um, there's a lot of energy behind like proving the moving companies that put us out of business wrong. So big you know. chip on your shoulder at that point, right? Oh, for sure. I was pissed. <laughs> I was, I was super pissed. <laughs> so yeah. where were you when you found out like the initial news? Do you remember like where you were at? Yeah, I was uh, in my uh, college apartment at the time and uh, I get a knock on the door and, you know, someone in a suit uh, filed up, you know, served us with some papers and they said, Hey, uh, your phone lines are turned off. You're not allowed to operate as a moving company until you get your licenses and insurances and um, it will get legal if you continue to uh, operate as a moving company. Um, and I was just, and I was just absolutely stunned. I think this was like in May. Um, You're 19, how old at this time? Uh, I, I was like 19 or 20. Oh my, you must've been shaken to your core when you got that news. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it, it was nerve wracking because so many people were depending on us for work and also our customers and we had so many scheduled jobs and uh everything went to the landline there weren't like we didn't i didn't have a cell phone back then there were just started cell phones were you know 
if you were a baller attorney in New York or something, those are the guys who had the self. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, 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 it was, it, it was, it was, it was definitely some adversity. It felt like a David versus Goliath situation. I didn't even know where to get started, but you know, one step at a way. And if it weren't for wrestling, I wouldn't have had the, the balls to step up and uh, the grit and the tenacity. And I wouldn't have felt so comfortable like fighting to win, you know, but but uh, it, it was a declaration of war is how we took it. And it, it, we had a lot of energy to, to, uh, to do what we thought was right. And how long from then to when you were back on? We're talking a week or a month? Almost a year. Stop it. What? Yeah, almost a year. So Did you lose all your customers? Yeah. Uh, and so, here, so here, here's a what happened. Year. So we, yeah, so we, we won, got a new phone line. And, uh, I looked into it and I, I believe in the saying, sometimes you got to ask for forgiveness rather than permission, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, basically what I did is I went to the local, uh, newspaper and I explained to him what ha had happened, which I felt like was a crime. And I, I was like, we're the good guys. Our competitors are the ones who are screwing over our competition, putting degenerates in clients homes as a standard practice we're clean-cut drug-free you know student athletes who are trying to help them better themselves who are moving furniture and so many and our customers love us which is why we're so popular and getting all these other and getting all these jobs and growing which is why they're threatened so look i know legally we can't advertise as meathead movers but would you be and and, and you can't advertise and you can't advertise meathead movers but what do you think of calling uh, of being meathead helpers and get a new phone number. And then maybe hopefully the meathead brand is strong enough where people seek out meathead helpers in the new number. And, you know, after uh, a gut check, the owner of the newspaper said, and took a couple of meetings to get to this point, but he said, yeah, I'm willing to go on this ride with you. And he was like, but if the state sends us a letter saying I can't advertise, you know, meathead helpers, then we just might need to revisit this. Okay, no problem. So, you know, we call ours, we went from meathead movers to meathead helpers, uh, got a new, got a new phone number, uh, still the phone book, which only came out once a year was still ringing to a disconnected line. But by that time we had, by that time we had so much demand for our services that our customers were finding us and we were able to like get enough business. And then three, four months after that, uh, that phone line got turned off so then we call by who so the we, state by the state again because our our competition turned us in again so we within an eight-month period had to change our name three or four different times we're the you know the strong meatheads and then we're the meathead loader and packers and uh it was like this game of cat and mouse and then what we did is uh during this during this time period we had to save up $25,000, which seemed impossible to collateralize a workers' comp policy. Uh, we had to study to pass the test to get the PUC license, Public Utilities Commission, uh, which is what the permit moving companies used to need in order to operate. Mm -hmm. uh, thank, thank goodness my brother is a much better test taker uh, than me and, and smarter than me in, in, in many ways. And he was able to pass it at the age of 18, becoming the youngest licensed 
um, professional mover in, in state history at the time. And then we, we got the license from the PUC, even though the enforcement arm of the PUC kept shutting us down. And then once we got our permit, after like eight months of this cat and mouse game, you know, then it was on. We put 100% of our time, energy, and focus into building meathead movers and trying to change the industry while helping student athletes work their way through school. And that was our mission. And there was a lot of energy behind it because we know what it's like to try to make ends meet while accomplishing your um, athletic goals. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do it. And not everyone has uh, a support system around them, you know, And, and I didn't. So I get it. And I thought it was a very worthwhile cause. It's crazy to me that the state was getting that involved in like private matters like that. I know, I mean, man. You guys California. were just a comp. Yeah, it's true. It is California. Just a company, you know, a couple of kids trying to make it happen. And it yeah. through amazing odds, it, it does happen. And then they they get involved like that. That's a, that's crazy. So well, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. You know, in, in one of the, like if, if we were just doing it, there's a, I think it was because we became pretty successful pretty quick. You know, like we were, we, we were doing a fair amount of jobs really quick because we developed a reputation. San Luis this was a small embracing community. I was a pretty well-known athlete at the time mm-hmm. uh, at the high school wrestling circuit and like, and it, and it just kind of took off. So because we were viewed as a threat, our competitors invested some resources and they joined together to do it too. Did you ever uh, lawyer up and take them in for anything? Mm, no, not, not the ones who originally turned me in. Uh, and there was nothing really to, to take them on about, but it, what was so funny is it backfired on because it really energized us Yeah, because we felt like we we're, because we felt like we we're on the right, you know? So, man, that is wild. So that was an early obstacle. Yeah. Where did you get the idea of, of like once you hit, I guess not where'd you get the idea, but once you hit that point, did you ever think about moving away from the model of athletes or was that one of your core principles the whole time? In our mission statement, it says our founding principles to support student athletes in pursuit of their own American dream. Nice. And that will never change. You know, it's, it's a big part of our why of what we do. I've almost lost the business three times from what seemed like insurmountable cash flow issues the great recession, the workers comp crisis, um, you know, things that have happened over the, the, the years now it's, it hasn't always been an easy road where it's just been up. We've been knocked flat on our ass a few times where it was like, how the heck are we going to get out of the situation? And truly knowing and understanding what it's like, um, to support yourself and how hard that can be and how important schools and, uh, athletics are and how much, you know, especially like wrestling, like, wrestlers really need wrestling a lot of wrestlers if they don't have wrestling they can go down some dark roads you know if they don't channel that in that energy right and i and and i understand that and i take so much pride in being able to provide the best job we possibly can to the aspiring student athlete and it's an important part of what we do you know it's awesome to see that you guys are investing that that much into it and also you know how you know, I'm in sales and a lot of sales companies look for student athletes because they know how to do yeah. time management and totally. you know, just the grittiness, obviously. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned there was a couple of times where you guys were almost flat broke. What, what yeah. was the most challenging of those three? Would you say? Oh man, just looking yourself in the mirror and just like need to get, get back to work. You know, there's, 
there was a time in um, 2002, 2003, where the workers' comp crisis hit. And we were paying at one point like 10% of our labor payroll, uh, all the way up to 80% of our labor payroll on workers' comp. It jumped like that overnight. So we, I went from feeling like a young, you know, millionaire doing, you know, just under 2 million a year to uh, all of a sudden the, our workers' comp rates went from like 40, 50 grand a year to like $300,000 a year and went up four or five times. And it knocked us straight on our butts. We had, I believe, 11 administrative employees. We had to lay off all but two of them. Mm. These guys were my best friends. Uh, we had to come up with 25% of our premium, you know, like $75,000 for the year in order to be insured. Problem was we only had like 30 in the bank and payroll that do that Friday. Um, it was so hard, Ryan. I remember like going down to my expenses and personally calling every single expense, even the like expense the electricity company staples, like everyone who we spend money with and explain to them, look, we're in a do or die situation. A lot of companies would be going out of business right now. Um, my brother moved into, uh, the office. I moved back into my parents' house. We shared a car. We canceled the fresh water subscription, like <laughs> the, 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 you know, the filtered water that in, in the jugs that like we, we, we canceled that. And I explained, and, and I just remember like at, in our little conference room, explaining to my employees the same thing I was explaining to the banks and all of my vendors crying, explain to my best friends and the guys that helped me build this company when I have to lay them off. And I, I, I went from being a, an important valuable person in their life to someone they hated because they felt like I was leaving them behind and, and betraying them and that I, that they were dispensable, even though, and, and I, and I remember not having anything to give one person in particular who is very, very influential in our, in the early stages who really did not deserve to get fired. And I gave him one of our used pickup trucks because I felt, because I, because I felt so bad. He was a Cal Poly wrestler great guy joe hart and you know um so but if the mission is important enough if it means enough to you like you you find a way and, and the way workers comp is it's like three years where it was kind of a perfect storm because we grew a lot and we had a lot of injuries and then just the macro rates went up the climate you know just it just went up so um did it ever reset or is that the new normal moving? Oh, forward? no, no. It totally reset and went back down. And, you know, one of the main reasons why Gray Davis got uh, recalled as governor was because of how poorly the workers' comp crisis was managed. So that's when uh, Schwarzenegger came in. And the first priority was to fix the workers' comp crisis because so many businesses were closing. So many. And frankly, if I had a family and like a, in a mortgage at the time, uh, I would have just filed bankruptcy and, and closed down shop. We, we couldn't, we, we, we couldn't hang. It was, it was, it was gnarly, but going through that experience, it made us look at how are we treating injuries in our company? What are things that we're doing 
to prevent injuries. And at the time it wasn't anything because it was like, Hey, you, you know, you have to be strong to work here and that's about it. And, and a lot Just of times get it, done. get it done and our employees' minds were stronger than their bodies. So we developed a, a system where we're like a lot more um, almost like perennial towards them and uh, like a sports team, we're proactive in trying to keep them healthy and created incentives to be safe at work. And that works so well. It, um, but now we have really, really low claims to the degree where we're actually uh, a, a part owner in a self-insurance program, which we're a part of, you know, so, which has been a huge part of us being able to grow and do the things we can because we're uh, effectively an owner of our own insurance company. And we wouldn't have been able to do that had we not gone through that difficult time and been had a gun to our heads to figure out how to have a safer work environment, you know, for our student athletes. But the pain associated with going through that process was just brutal. And it wasn't about money. My employees who were making $10 an hour at that time were making uh, significantly more take home than what my brother and I were making for three years, <laughs> for what? three years. Like, yeah, like we weren't ordering avocado and hamburgers and don't get me wrong, like we didn't go homeless or anything, but you know, my brother had to move into the office and I'm, and I, and I, I, you know, I went back home for a bit. Like it was nuts. Dang. It's just yeah. crazy. The obstacles that you guys navigated though, and ultimately got stronger through it. I mean, what yeah. are some tips you would have for other people out there who are, you know, just trying to get their career started or, you know, managing a business themselves, like how to get through some of these, some of these obstacles? You know, you know, I, the best thing I think that prepared me for it, I swear is wrestling, mm -hmm. you know, in wrestling, you are just faced with the toughest of situations and um, it, there's such a crossover to wrestling life. Obviously the famous Dan Gable quote, you know, once you've wrestled everything else in life is easy. I so true. And it's a different kind of hard, it's a different kind of toughness, but, um, but if you are able to channel the uh, what you, you, you know, as much of the lessons and the greatness from wrestling into the business world, who's going to outwork you? You, you know, but I, I think you need to pair that grittiness with like purpose and passion. You need to really know and understand why what you're doing is important. And it needs to be more than just money. Mm -hmm. um, and if it was just money, like I wouldn't have been able to, 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 to take my, the grittiness I learned from the great sport of wrestling. And cause money's not, it, it's just not uh, meaningful enough to me personally. But what like, but what I was willing to die on the hill for was uh, helping the fellow student athlete, you know, work their way through school and college. And also uh, I got a lot of affirmation by my, from my customers for doing a good job for creating the best moving experience and coming like, and as a young man, I really needed that because I didn't get enough of that in the home I had growing up. So getting that mean, positive, what, how do you mean like growing up, you didn't have that. Yeah. Like I, I just, uh, I could have used more pats on the back and, and compliments and like been built up more, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so getting that from my customers, I craved it. Like I, wow. them expressing gratitude to me just felt like so important. And then having the, the freedom and be able to like control my destiny and, um, and, and, and all the autonomy that goes along with having your own small business 
meant a lot to me. It wasn't like moving furniture that I was passionate about. Like, you, you know, moving boxes and, and, and humping refrigerators up and down stairs. Trust me, it's, it's difficult work and it's not, you know, and it's not, it's not glamorous, but the, but the, what, we, but all the stuff behind it, I was so passionate about and, and I craved it so much and loved it so much. It was, it was worth, it was worth fighting for. And if you've wrestled, you have way more fight. But you're, but you, the thing that sticks, sticks out to me is the reason you were doing it was important to you. Like, like you said, the yeah. why you were doing it was, that was it, man. Yeah. So inspirational to hear about you. I've heard that you're a work ethic or a workaholic. What was your work ethic like? Yeah, during the either the peak of your business or even now, if you guys are still going as hard as you were, I mean, are you talking like four a.m. type of thing, or what does that look like? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I am much more balanced now. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm turning forty-one on Friday, and I, I think I have a pretty decent uh, balance. But I was manic obsessive for for many years, about sixteen years where 16 seven yeah you, you know like 75 to 90 hour work weeks all you know all the time non-stop and 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 just kind of uh chasing it and i i think uh and i don't know if that's healthy i don't I, I, and i certainly don't recommend it because um parts of my personal life and my uh, development in other ways, I think suffered because I was so focused, like on building a business. I was so intoxicated with, um, growth and opportunity and achieving and trying to, uh, feel worthy that, that, um, other parts of my life, uh, were, were neglected and, um, so I, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a, there's a balance there, you know, and, and, and you might see that like in some of the super elite athletes, you know, they might, they, they might not have room for other things that, and it bites them in the butt later on, you know, and, and, and for, for me, like I, I put so much of my heart and soul and, and, and mind bandwidth in, in, into it. So I, I think, um, uh, over the years I've, you know, I've had some health issues, uh, that, were definitely like stress related. You know, I landed myself in the hospital um, with diverticulitis, had eight inches of my lower intestine removed uh, around Christmas time, 2018. And that's uh, not a normal thing. And since that day, I said, I'm going to make my health like number one. I'm no longer going to just kill myself uh, for my business, not worth it. And, um, that's when I decided, Hey, I'm going to get back into jujitsu because wrestling's too hard on my, my, mm-hmm. my 41 year old body. I, every time I go into the room, you know, Cal Poly room, I, I got injured like the last five or six times I went in there, but with you, but with jujitsu, I'm able to, uh, get a lot of that workout and, and, um, channel, like sat, satisfy, quench my, my, the same thing that, um, wrestling did, did for me mentally and physically. So it is, you know, there, I don't think there's like a specific blueprint mm-hmm. as far as what to do, but I've always been like laser focused on a goal, uh, whether it was like wrestling and then, and then business and things either got in the way of me accomplishing my goal or not. Um, and I think that's 
that could be helpful and useful and powerful in in spurts, but not for like many, 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 many years, years in a row, you know? Um, but hey, some, you need to learn things the hard way too, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm definitely on it. So what the heck? One thing about that is that, you know, by doing that kind of work ethic though, you, you get to make up amazing amount of ground on people who aren't at that pace, you know? So you were putting in, I mean, you, maybe you did it for, I think you said 14, 15 years, but man, if you multiply that out, that was like the equivalent of like 22 years of work that you jammed in there or even 30 years of work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So oh, what definitely. You, So in terms of your, your, your kind of turning point where you started focusing on health again, you're doing jujitsu. Are you doing any type of diet or health regimen that you follow? Yeah. You know, I played around with plant-based that worked out great. Uh, when I was like detoxing off of meat, I felt like Superman for about three months. And then I started feeling super weak in the room, you know? Really? And but for yeah, those three it, months you were feeling great though. I was feeling, I was feeling great, but then month four, five and six, I started feeling kind of weak, you know? So I then went back, uh, I then went back to red meats and, um, now I'm doing intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. which is just easy. And it, and, and just taking a balanced meal and trying to up my, uh, fluid intake, which is difficult. Cause naturally I just kind of run dehydrated, you know? Um, so I'm trying to be real intentional about that. And then I, you know, take supplements. So, and so when you're doing the intermittent fasting, what's the first, at what time of the day do you start eating? And then do you stop? Noon and is when I start eating and then I stop eating at eight. Love it. Okay. I do something very yeah. similar. Um, okay. I'm, I'm 12 to 12 to, I guess seven, but a lot of times late later than that. But for a, a year I did it 7 PM to 9 AM. And that was a, that was a, a big jump at the beginning, but once you got it figured out, you were good. And then you, this, this yeah. year I've been doing the noon to 7 PM is the eating window. And it is harder. And like every day about 10 30, I'm freaking starving, but, uh, totally. it's, it, it's amazing how, how lean you feel and how light you feel if you don't eat a lot in the yeah. morning. Yeah. And, and, and I, I really do believe it's how our bodies were designed to be. We, 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 I don't think humans were designed to be eating constantly all the time. You know, no. it makes, it, it makes, to, it makes total sense. How long have you been doing that for me? This, uh, this full year. So each year I'll try okay. to do something new. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Four, four months or so. Um, yeah. Beginning of May. So about four months and, uh, it makes things a lot easier. You know, I still do coffee yeah. though. Um, yeah. I know some people don't consider that, but I, I'll do coffee and water, but, um, and then Saturday I'll, I'll do whatever, but it's, it really makes a difference during the week. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, totally. I kind of do a similar, like, like a keto kind of thing where I try to not eat carbs or sugars during the week and just do like yep. meats, vegetables, potatoes. Um, I know, you know, red potatoes are technically not keto, but I'll, I'll sneak those in once in a while, but just keeping it simple really, uh, is probably the biggest thing I focus on. Yeah. One of my, uh, that's cool. Yeah. One, one of my good friends and he was an all American at Cal Poly. Um, he says everything in moderation, even moderation. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I just love that saying, you know, it's like everything in moderation, even, you know, even moderation. It's And, and it, it's, I don't know. It's okay. It's okay to have those cheat days every now and then. 
Yeah. And I, and I go absolutely wrestler post weigh-in on my cheat days. It is chaos over here. I'll go ice cream tub, pizza, whatever it takes, man. Totally. You know, it's, it's so many wrestlers and me and me included. I'm 5'11. I was weighing 260 at one point. Like we need to be talking more about our diet and our health and nutrition after we compete. So many of us have eating disorders because it's feast or famine. And then when you're not having to make weight, like that's such a relief. It's, you know, I just gorged myself for so many years and, and so many, so many of us just like blow up. It's, it's hard to, and it's hard, and it's hard to fight your way back as you get, as you get older too. And I don't know why it is. It's disproportionately 103 pounders. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I, I know more people who I used to wrestle with at 103 who are like 210 now. And I'm like, yeah. Who in the hell is that? Is yeah. that you? <laughs> it's like you ate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, kind of the underlying foundation for you throughout a lot of your success in life has been wrestling. And you mentioned that your goal was to go to Iowa. So I got to imagine Dan Gable must have been like an idol to you. Who, who were some of your, your mentors as a kid who got you going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watched that like competitor Supreme video probably 500 times, no, maybe <laughs> 700 times, you know, just crazy. I, I like wore out the tape on my VHS. I'm dating myself, but that's, that's what I watched. That was the VHS. Uh, you know, I watched the, the, the USA wrestling magazine uh, would read that, you know, all, all the time. And then really my high school wrestling coach, Rob Nieto was a really special guy. He kind of put me under his wing. We had a really special bond and, uh, I looked up to him a lot. He cared about me and I, I did anything he told me to say, uh, I wanted to be a state champion and, you know, I had a late start. I, I, uh, um, my first year competing collegiate was my sophomore year and I wanted to be a state champion and in, in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, and like, I would sleep in my singlet. I, I would have have the gripper during class, you know, like I, I, I just lived it. It, I, it consumed me. And it, I think it was kind of like an escape for me too. It, it was, it was a dimension. I wanted to like just live in 24 hours a day. So uh, my coaches, Rob Nieto, uh, my, the freestyle Greco program was led by Joe Dansby, who's the Cuesta college coach now still a very good friend of mine, uh, you know, really looked up to him. And then also the Cal Poly athletes, you know, to have it, we're so blessed to have a D1 program in our small community mm-hmm. and to watch the practices, go to the dual meets and just kind of rub shoulders with guys who are great athletes and have all accomplished the things that I was hoping to accomplish at the time. For me, it was just incredibly motivating. Yeah. I mean, to have D1 guys that close, I mean, they must have been larger yeah. than life as a youngster. That was incredible. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And I was, I was blessed to like have that clarity and those examples of, you know, what some of the heroes in, in my, in my sport were, cause you know, there are very few state placers from the central coast of California. Hmm. Um, most of them come from the central Valley or the San Diego, you know, Temecula area. Um, uh, so yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah those awesome. guys around. Yeah. Huge. Well, for sure. One of the things we always ask people as we wind down is how did wrestling impact your life? I mean, what are some of the, the biggest lessons you've taken away from it that you still use today? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I, I would say 
my my reference on on what's difficult and hard is uh, I, I have a you know high bandwidth, a high work ethic to because um, so you know definitely 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 that, and then also uh, I know you've heard I've heard this on your show, but like even the wrestling is an individual sport. The camaraderie and the brotherhood mm. that's developed is like just second is just absolutely second to none. Um, and then if there's time, Ryan, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about the regional training center too, if that fits into your agenda. Let's hit it. Yes. Okay, cool. So, uh, you know, if you go to uh, my Instagram, Aaron Steed, you'll be able to see all kinds of links on the Central Coast Regional Training Center. It's a, a joint effort between me and Cal Poly Wrestling. Uh, we got sanctioned to become a, an official regional training center for USA Wrestling. And we're trying to raise money and donations um, trying to raise $15,000 a month reoccurring for three years, which will pay for the center. And uh, it's going to be a youth wrestling and it's going to uh, support high school and junior high wrestlers and also be, to be coached by the Cal Poly and the Cuesta wrestlers, as well as the Olympic hopefuls and guys on the Olympic ladder that will be able to, you know, come here and train. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big effort. It's ambitious because this isn't like being funded by one or two people like most RTCs are. Uh, we're looking for this to be like a community type thing. But also if anyone is just a wrestling enthusiast, you can go to the website which is Central Coast RTC, or you can check it out on my page. It, there's links to it. Mm -hmm. And you can like donate to it or you can sponsor it, have your banner and logo up on our on our thing. And we're, uh, you know, just really hoping to try to bridge the whole, the, 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 the fragmented wrestling community in San Luis Obispo County. And also just with like Fresno and Stanford programs, hopefully Stanford comes back, but yeah, you know, you know, give California another RTC, the West Coast another RTC, and it's and it's badass. It's six thousand square feet, forty-five foot ceilings. It used to be a climbing gym. This is and a we got facility. Our, a yeah, facility. Wow, a, a standalone facility, a regional training center. And is it going yeah. now, or it will be opening at some time? We're fundraising for it now, and then opening date is going to be uh, August first. Wow, that is fantastic. How did this all yeah. start? Uh, me and coach John Saritas, uh, talking about it. And then, uh, ultimately us deciding, Hey, now's the time to do it. Cause commercial real estate is cheap. So we tied it up and, um, and, and coach Saritas is doing an incredible job at Cal Poly has so much momentum. Bernie Truax took fourth, mm -hmm. you know, legend, sophomore legend Lammer went two and two, at, uh, at the show, red shirt freshman, like just incredible. Uh, and he has an incredible system and a lot of buy-in. So the local high school coaches, uh, John's just, Coach Reedus is such a good leader. People are just like wanting to be around him and gravitate towards him. And is and and Cal Poly is uh, on up on, on definitely an upward trajectory. So we figured this would be a, and we have the administration support too at Cal Poly. So let's go ahead really? and do it. And this, yeah. And then this funding model of it being like a membership a membership for the local youth wrestlers. Uh, we got the high school coaches uh, engaged. We created founding members 
and um and and it's it's a model like this hasn't been done uh, to to our to our experience but we're hoping that uh it really taps into something special and then um after a couple years of doing this we can see the overwhelming support and interest for the sport of wrestling and we have lee kemp and john Azevedo, uh luna wick all agreed to be uh coaches mm-hmm. you know wow. and yeah which is just amazing and a great opportunity and we're hoping that after we launch it that there's enough support where we can maybe like buy a piece of dirt put up our own facility and and make it even more permanent but this is like the first step to having that and um as you know like most top 20 programs have an rtc and and cal poly wants to be right up there so uh we need to figure out how to do it and this is our strategy since uh no one's willing to to write the check so hopefully we get a lot of little donations and make it happen it's a huge effort it's really cool and is it the recurring revenue model something where the participants they'll they could subscribe and that's part of the part of the access to the gym um that yeah. kind of a model yeah wow. yeah so so our members can like we're, we're asking them to pre-register now mm-hmm. and then uh and that's 100 bucks, or you can sponsor the facility and then starting next month we're going to do a kickstarter campaign and then uh we're also going to start hitting up business sponsorships and it's we're going to be operating under the umbrella of titan mercury wrestling club cool Man, yeah, it's fantastic. I'll have to come out and see the facility. And so oh, that'd be awesome. We'd love to have tour. you out Oh my God, I would love to do that. Oh, you, you, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Thank you. We will. Uh, I will connect with you offline about that because that would be one. Any excuse to go to Cal Poly uh, is, yeah. is always welcome. Um, and so it's centralcoastrtc.com or .org? Yeah, dot, .org, yeah. .org, okay. Man, wrestling fans, let's get out there and support this. This is fantastic. Awesome. I love to hear about it. Anything else that we're missing out on here in the Midwest? Cause you, Californians know how to do it with wrestling. Oh, that that's awesome. As does the Midwest. I just want to say uh, thank you to you and your podcast. Thank you for shining a light on, on, you know, the sport of wrestling and just all the great content that you're putting out there. Um, and uh, I, I think like we all need to figure out if you've gotten something from wrestling, if it's changed you in, in some way, I think it's important to figure out a way to give back just as you're demonstrating with your life, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And we all got to do that to keep the sport alive because if we don't, no one else will. And, you know, it was only 10 years ago, we almost got booted out of the Olympics. Right. So That's like, wild, we, right. Yeah. So we, we, if, so we have to kind of pay our debts if we've benefited and, um, and I think that's that. And, and, and I certainly feel indebted, which is why, you know, I want to be a part of trying to help put this RTC together. Um, and, and, and you can, and, and you can give back, you know, whether it's like just donating your time or donating a little bit of money or sponsoring a kid to a wrestling tournament, like just talk to your local coaches, check out USA wrestling, you know, uh, and, and, and figure out like some sort of match, but a lot of sports, uh, have their alumni athletes and coaches who are a lot more passionate about giving back to their sport. And I, yeah. I feel like there's, I feel like there's room in the wrestling community where we can all dig a little bit of deeper with our pocketbooks and with our intention and with our time to, to give back. We shouldn't just rely on the same old people to do it. You know, Agreed. we all, can do, we all can do a little bit more in, in our own way, whether it's like like with a podcast or or whatever there's a there's a bunch of ways you can give back to the sport of wrestling 
or even going to like college dual meets. You don't see that yeah. much fans watching college duels. Oh. It's like, gosh, that that pains me uh, to see that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, man. I uh, I really appreciate the kind words, and I'm whatever we can do to help. What you guys are doing, count us in. Thank you. I appreciate that. Likewise. Thank you, my brother. Great having you on. Right. Have a nice day. Thank you. And that's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To watch the full video interview, go to YouTube Wrestling Changed My Life. And that's it. We'll see you next time.